Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Sarah walks us through her time at Michigan, working toward both a bachelor's and master's in engineering, as well as how she was able to land an internship alongside other MBAs at Microsoft to help launch her career into strategy and corporate development in the cloud computing space. We learn how her technical background was an asset and about her thought process of transitioning to Google's corp dev team instead of the next shiny startup in Silicon Valley. Enjoy. All right, Sarah, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thanks for having me. So it'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm Sarah. I currently work as part of Google's corporate development team. Uh, originally, I'm from Michigan, went to school at University of Michigan studying industrial and operations engineering. I have both my bachelor's and my master's in that. Um, pivoted from engineering to tech and tech business and finance. Uh, after graduating, I went to work full-time at Microsoft doing strategy and M&A. Um, after that, I had a career in venture capital at M12, Microsoft's venture fund. And now I'm here at Google doing M&A and investments for Google and Alphabet more broadly. Very cool track. Um, a little bit different than what we typically have on the pod. So I'm excited about this conversation. So let's talk a little bit about your time um, back in undergrad at Michigan. Were you, um, tell me about what you were thinking you were going to do. Um, did you have family in any family in like strategy or M&A or did you have family engineers? Who, what was the kind of the background? Did they kind of guide you or were you like, I'm going on my own path? Yeah, great question. I actually came into school wanting to be a math major. Um, took Calc 3, honors Calc 3 at Michigan and, and quickly realized, you know, pure math was not for me. Uh, I had a few friends that uh, were a couple of years older that were in industrial and operations engineering program. Um, and the way that they explained it to me is this is a mix, you know, the degree is really a mix between the business world and the engineering world. So it's basically business with a heavy quantitative uh, background and, and a lot of emphasis on kind of financial modeling and financial engineering. Um, and I thought that was kind of the perfect intersection for me. It kind of combined my strengths in, in math um, with my desire to kind of be in a more business role. And so uh, transferred to the School of Engineering and uh, ended up just being a great fit for me and, and kind of what I wanted to do. And so when, when did you make that transition, like sophomore year or junior Yeah, year? sophomore year that I, I made the transfers and, and came on over. Can you tell me about your internships during school, like what, how you progressed and what you did? through there? Yeah, absolutely. I had one internship that I did for full time. I took a semester off and worked for Mercedes-Benz uh, R&D. And as part of that, you know, it was very typical for an industrial engineer. I did project engineering. 
Um, I actually led their EPA emissions testing program for North America. Oh, wow. Um, As just a six so month was, program. How did you get that? How do you lead that? Seems like a big deal. It was, it was a little bit of a big deal. One month into my internship, my manager laughed and they said, well, you've been here for one month. Here you go until we find someone else. And so uh, it was a great experience and, and very cool to kind of work, um, work at an automotive company and, and kind of develop their process and also do a lot of process improvement as, as part of, um, you know, what they had been doing for years, kind of the same way. That's interesting to me that after a month, they were willing to do that. Was it, do you think it was out of necessity or out of, because they saw something in you? You can be honest. You don't, don't worry, but you won't, we won't be bragging. Just be honest. I hope it's a mix of both, but it was definitely necessity drove it a lot. I think, you know, getting someone into role and up to speed, um, you know, is, is not something you can do immediately. And so in the interim, they had someone there that was covering all the bases and was able to drive the process forward. And so they kind of let me run with it. What does even a project engineer do? <laughs> it like is a lot of coordination. Day, like day to day. Okay. So you're coordinating with the other engineers. You're kind of like the lead. It, it is. It's, it's kind of a, a project management role mixed yeah, okay. with an engineer role where you kind of oversee the entire process for emissions testing. So we were bringing in vehicles, getting them tested at regular intervals, um, running those reports, and then giving the cars back and submitting this testing to the EPA. Okay. And that was after your sophomore year or after your junior year? This Sorry, was, that was six months. That was six months kind of. When? Yeah, so as part of my junior year, kind of, I, I took a semester off and, and did this. And so uh, it was very valuable to have some full-time experience and um, kind of infuse some thinking into kind of what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do as I uh, went forward and, and kind of in the courses I took what I wanted to learn a little bit further. So I, I thought it was a great experience and highly encourage anyone that wants to take some time off and get some real world experience to do that. It looks like you jumped right into another internship uh, at Goldman after that. Can you tell me about how you even landed that? Because I think a lot of people on this podcast are like, Goldman Sachs, oh, you know, it's like the end all be all. Tell me how you landed that. What type of internship was it for? What group? Stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, during my junior year, I don't think I had a, a strong conviction one way or the other in terms of what I wanted to get into. Mm -hmm. um, after my co-op at Mercedes-Benz, I kind of wanted more business experience, not necessarily knowing entirely what that meant. Um, and through the formal kind of recruiting process at Michigan was, you know, lined up with interviews at, at, um, at several different companies, um, some management consulting, some banks. Um, and so was, you know, had an interview lined up with Goldman Sachs. Um, interview process went really well. I think they really enjoyed kind of somebody with an engineering background, bringing a little bit of more like quantitative chops into their group. Um, and ended up getting landing the internship and, and joining Goldman Sachs for a summer in their credit risk and advisory group, mm -hmm. thinking more about you know part of their fine, overall finance division, thinking about credit risk and, okay. and more client advisory. Awesome. So you kind of finished that up, went back to school for it looks like a semester. I did, yes. And so okay. you know had the return offer to go back there full time. Decided mm -hmm. actually to stay at Michigan and pursue a fifth year. Uh, and finish out my master's. Mm -hmm. um, and so M University of Michigan has this great program through the Tauber Institute where they combine Ross Business School and School of Engineering into a joint program. Mm. And so they have MBAs, Masters of Engineering and Masters of Supply Chain students come together. Um, and it kind of gives an interdisciplinary look in, across those fields and kind of better prepares each of those fields um, 
you know, engineering with the business tools that they needed, business students with a little bit of more of the engineering and supply chain um, and supply chain with engineering and, and business. And so a really kind of nice interdisciplinary program across the, the two schools. Sounds like the people in that program would be really sharp, or at least more have a more quantitative background. Can you tell me about like what people from that program typically go on to do? Is it is it kind of like what you did? you ended up going strategy M and A, right? Which, yeah. Is that typical, or it sounds like it's that that sounds more like an MBA type exit? It's a bit. It's a bit atypical um, mm-hmm. program. I think you know to your point. I think it does. It's it's a very high bar to get into the program, and I think it is an amazing opportunity to both learn different skills and learn from the different people in the program. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, typical routes folks from the program go into is, you know, operations role, supply chain at companies. Um, oftentimes, you know, they accelerate very quickly in their career. They're leading kind of global supply chains for companies like Tesla, Apple, um, or Warner. Almost like where the, the pinnacle is like the COO for one of these. Yes, that's okay. it. Really does kind of churn out that type of role. Okay. Um, but that being said, I think the skills that you learn can be applicable across a lot of different industries. And I had other friends that went into more management consulting roles, okay. some to investment banking, and then me that went into kind of more of a strategy and an M and A role. So that's like a one year program. Typically, it's you know a combination of of your undergrad and your master's, and so you take courses through your undergrad and. That's why okay. you're able to finish it off in a fifth in f- year. In five years. Okay. So tell me about how you started recruiting for Microsoft when you kind of started thinking, oh, strategy or M&A is kind of interesting for me. Was it like your, between your fourth and fifth year or like in your fifth year? Yeah, it was between my fourth and fifth year that they started the Tauber recruiting cycle. It's a little bit more of a structured recruiting process. Um, so the Tauber Institute has <laughs> partners. They have Amazon, Warner, Microsoft. Uh, and others, Boeing and others that, you know, participate and in a more structured way. And so there's a set of interviews. um, And at the end, it's actually a matching program. And so you rank the companies that you thought were most interesting after the interview process, they rank you, Mm. and you actually get matched into internships. That's a great open problem. Great operations problem. Yeah, absolutely. Or like a game theory, rather. Absolutely. And so uh, very optimized to kind of deliver the best outcomes for, uh, for both the companies and for the students looking for experiences. And so um, went through the interview process with Microsoft as part of that and ultimately got matched into their internship. Very cool. And, and tell me a little bit about what that internship was like. You know, this was kind of a first strategy role for you, right? Absolutely. I think this Did it feel my- super like... Uh, non-technical for you? Did it feel like a good match? And tell me about how you felt like, okay, this is something I'm going to do full-time. You know, I, it was a brand new space for me. I had not worked in tech before. Um, the group that I joined was focused on what was then Microsoft server and tool business. And so, you know, thinking about cloud computing, backend infrastructure, all things that I had no experience in. Um, so day one on the job, you know, kind of came in and I was like, great, what is the cloud? <laughs> Let's start there. Um, but the, the summer internship was an incredible opportunity. I think it was very much, you know, drinking from a fire hose. I think it was a lot to learn at once. Um, but, you know, also a great opportunity to kind of bring some more operational engineering skills into more of a strategy project. And so the summer was focused around one strategy project and having kind of the ability to structure that, think about, you know, 
cost synergies, think about, you know, where are the revenue opportunities for Microsoft to accelerate some of their businesses. And then at the end of the summer, present to leadership on, you know, what, what are opportunities for the business, I think was a, was a phenomenal experience. I think learning the Sounds entire cool. through and, and having kind of a tangible project at the end to present was a, was great. Were you nervous on that final presentation? I'm sure that's nerve wracking to like leadership having to go up. And how many, one of my, one of the questions that popped in my head is, is this along, are you doing this internship alongside other MBAs or are you doing this along undergrads? It's alongside other MBAs. And so for this project, it was me paired with an MBA and we had a joint project together. Uh, And that's pretty impressive. It's kind of like you'd never even got an MBA, but you get this MBA internship. Absolutely. Yeah, I was part of Microsoft's MBA internship experience. And so, you know, got all the perks that went along with that and, and got to awesome. the incredible MBAs that Microsoft had hired and recruited kind of across the business. Is that because the program in Michigan is so selective that they're willing to do that? Yes, I think so. I think, you know, previously on that team, they had hired another, you know, master's student similar to my trajectory onto the team and had phenomenal experience with him. I think he was very smart and ended up being a, a pretty core part of the team. And so they were willing to kind of take on more students from this pathway. Betty paved the way. Good. <laughs> For that program. Good rep. Okay. Uh, so you're, you're kind of going through, you do the final presentation, Microsoft business takes off because of your presentation, right? Since then, cause they've been doing really well. <laughs> you know, I, I will say actually at the time, the leader of the group um, and our executive sponsor was Satya Nadella before he became CEO. And so he was the ultimate stakeholder for our project. And I think that was a phenomenal experience. Um, ultimately, I ended up joining Microsoft full, te- full time after my master's. And by that time, he had been promoted to CEO. Um, so it was, it was a great opportunity to get to kind of work with him before he took on that outsized role at the company. For sure. For sure. A little harder to get in touch with him, probably. But anyway, so you're, so you're kind of coming through this program. You did the internship. You get the return offer. Do you accept on the spot or do you say, hey, I need to shop this a little bit. I need to kind of figure out what my other options are. You know, I was waiting to hear back from Microsoft. And so I went through a more of a formal recruiting process at Michigan. I was recruiting at um, mostly management consulting firms um, and talking through them. And then kind of later on. What did the- you think about the inter- interview process of a McKinsey, Bain, BCG case, case interview process or an Oliver Wyman, whoever you're interviewing with, to a uh, strategy in M&A? interview? It was actually very similar. And so yeah. the interview process for Microsoft revolved around different case studies. And so um, it was actually a very similar process that Microsoft had. Did um, they expect you to know reps of like how to do it, how to run an M&A process? It was less geared towards an M&A process and more through mm-hmm. strategic thinking. How would you approach this problem? Open-ended kind of questions to kind of get a sense of you know, how do you think through a problem? Which makes sense. They probably have their own bankers. They probably hire bankers when they need to. Or... <laughs> whatnot. Um, or is that not true? Do you guys have your own, like, do you guys run the whole process yourself? I can't comment on, on the internal process at Microsoft, but there mm-hmm. is, you know, I think we do all, you know, internally, we do a lot of different analysis. We run the process, yeah. we do financial modeling. Uh, it's a pretty comprehensive process. Did, so- you, did you feel like your, your degree um, prepared you for the financial modeling aspect? Or do you feel like you had to do some self-study for that? It's interesting, the, the type of financial, the type of modeling in general that, that I learned through my master's program was actually a lot more detailed um, and building kind of much more complex, you know, scenario analysis and forecasting models. 
Mm-hmm. And so bringing some of that, I think, was actually a very, you know, super skill to, to the M&A team and kind of bolstering our quantitative abilities. But fundamentally, the, the modeling you need is, is much more at a simple level. So I think it was still a, a learning curve to understand, you know, specific to M&A, how to model a deal, how to think through the, through the process, how to think through synergies, and ultimately right. arrive at kind of a recommendation and, and uh, you know, valuation. Great. So you, okay, so you are waiting on that Microsoft offer. Um, is it typical that they take a little bit of time with their MBA interns as the internship, or you're you already kind of in other processes with consulting? What was your thought process? Go consulting, go back to Microsoft. What was, what was the thoughts in terms of, I mean, you clearly enjoyed your time there yeah, that summer. I, I really enjoyed my time. I think I was, you know, hoping to get the return offer from Microsoft, given the team was so small. I think it was just an open question on if they would have the headcount or not to bring mm-hmm. on someone new. Um, and so, you know, had to kind of obligatory go through the process with other companies. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I wanted to kind of look at the entire package that I was being offered. And when the Microsoft offer came in, it was, it was a no-brainer for me. I think it was exactly kind of what I wanted to do next um, and, and a very easy decision for me. And so stopped recruiting with any other firms and accepted it actually the very next day. So, Awesome. How'd you feel about moving out to the West Coast? It was a big change. I think uh, most folks uh, that I was friends with in, in Michigan either ended up in Chicago or New York. And so not many people were talking about moving to the West Coast. Um, I had not any familiarity with Seattle before my internship, but spending a summer in Seattle was beautiful and uh, was just absolutely great to get a chance to go back. Very cool. So you're, you kinda, you're, gra- you're graduating from your master's program. You're gearing up to start there. Tell me about that kind of first month and what was, what it was like. And, um, you're obviously doing a lot of training, probably some fun. And then I guess, tell me the month after your training finished, like when you actually hit the ground and you're, did it feel natural because you'd already kind of done the internship? Did you feel like, um, you were catching up at all? I know there, you said a little bit about the MA and stuff like that, but just to get people a sense of what was the hardest part about that? Absolutely. It was extremely unnatural. I think the summer consisted of kind of a broader strategy project. So very focused on one, one ongoing strategy project. Um, when I joined full-time, probably 80% of my time was focused on M&A and only 20% was focused on more general strategy. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, a lot to dive into. Um, folks on the team had, you know, 10 years plus of banking experience, um, very, very sharp um, and, and talented folks that I worked with. I remember, I think it was day two when I started, um, you know, they were like, we're looking at XYZ deal. We need you to put together a financial model for the company and some preliminary thoughts. And I was like, okay, great. And, you know, uh, my colleague looked at me and she's like, you seem a little lost. Do you, do you know what you're doing? Have you, have you done a model before? And I was like, you know, actually, I haven't done a financial model before of this kind. But if you kind of just walk me through the general overview, I think I can get it. And uh, her question back was, you know, didn't you learn this during your MBA? And I was like, oh, I, I don't have my MBA. <laughs> and I think it was a little bit of a, oh, why did we hire you moment? Um, but I, I feel like I proved the team wrong a little bit. I, I was a quick learner. I, you know, of course. a lot of time to kind of learn the fundamentals and basics and soon actually became kind of the go-to person for all financial modeling on the team. And wh- how long do you think it took you to get there? Three months, four months? you know four to six months to really yeah. feel comfortable and after a year I think I was you know I was the go-to person at, on the team and so mm-hmm. you know, I think the engineering kind of 
quantitative background helped to kind of absorb and learn all these new things. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was definitely a big learning curve. And it was great that they had the patience for me to kind of get up to speed and, and learn the processes. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're you're kind of uh, there for a couple of years. Tell me how things progressed. So you became go to finish model. Any other kind of um, things that emerge or change from year one to year two, or you're just like looking at a ton of deals, you know, probably consummating some of them, correct? And then um, passing on a lot of them, I'm sure. But then tell me a little bit about just how things progressed and when you started thinking, hey, this this ventures thing is kind of interesting, or if it came out of the blue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, over my tenure on the M&A team at Microsoft, it, we were very focused on, you know, Microsoft's cloud and enterprise business. And so, you know, it's a place that's not as you know natural to think about in tech because it's a lot of backend infrastructure, it's tools developers use, it's cybersecurity for your infrastructure. And so learning just those areas, I think, you know, is always a learning curve, no matter kind of what area within cloud. So every new project was a little bit like, um, you know, let's learn this from scratch and let's, you know, learn about this space, learn about the players, the market, what's happening. Um, and so it, it never got boring. The job, all this kind of keeps you on your toes because every new area is a new space to think about and, and learn about. Um, but over time kind of honed more of the MA process, the MA framework and thinking and, and kind of applying it to deals. Looked at a lot of deals in my time there and ultimately um, worked on four deals that closed mm-hmm. um, and ended up being kind of a big contributors to Microsoft's cloud and enterprise business. And so it's awesome. Really great, uh, great deal that I, I got a chance to work on. And do you feel like um, you mentioned that it was a relatively small team for, I mean, Microsoft's obviously huge, but um, are you, are you able to share kind of like around the size of, of this strategy and MA team that you're working for? Like, were you working directly for like one person, 10 people, three people, just to get an idea of like, was it hard jumping between projects or were you like always on all the deals? Cause it was, cl- cause you were kind of giving that cloud kind of um, silo. Yeah. I mean, I think our team was pretty, pretty small and tight knit and uh, you know, I was working on a few deals at a time at any given moment mm-hmm. um, did not cover all the deals. I think we had a few folks, um, you know, that we would split between different projects. And so, mm-hmm. Um, for me, I was not working on all the deals, but always had like three or four deals that I was simultaneously working on. Did you feel like it was like banking hours, like as an associate that you hear like 80 plus hour weeks or were you, was it more reasonable, like a 60 to 60 to 70? I think there were definitely very busy weeks, um, especially kind of getting up to speed. I think, you know, the first, you know, call it six months were, were pretty crazy mm-hmm. After that. It really depended on deal flow. I think, you know, when deals are hot, you have to be on and active and, when things were a little bit calmer, I think it was a little bit more regular hours. Like a 50-ish or so? Say. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, yeah, tell me about the transition. How did, how did this come up and this, this jump to, it was called M12, is that correct? Correct. So while I was working for the M&A team, uh, you know, I had no kind of interest uh, in, in kind of recruiting or looking out. I think I was still, you know, getting to do a lot of interesting work and a lot of interesting deals. Um, around kind of my three-year mark on the team is when Microsoft launched their new venture arm called Microsoft Ventures back in the day. It's now been rebranded as M12. Um, You know, as they launched, I was kind of assigned to help um, the group kind of think about synergies with Microsoft, getting them connected to the broader, you know, corporate group, um, and kind of build the relationship with with the arm through that. And so, you know, as they look to expand their team and kind of bring on new members, um, I, they, you know, they 
said, you know, why don't you talk to a few people on our team and, and get to know us better? And ultimately ended up offering me a position to join the venture arm, mm-hmm. uh, which was a phenomenal opportunity. And so it, it came up a little bit more organically through relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up joining M12 as kind of a founding member and, and helping them kind of build and create out, you know, Microsoft's venture arm. Was this, was the, were these relationships more because like you just started some, some coffee chats, you're kind of just exploring Were you, was there a, a kind of a, a goal in your head of like, I want to learn a different, you know, asset. I want to go, you know, earlier stage, or was it really just genuine curiosity? You're asking interesting questions and them suddenly being like, well, why don't you come and join us? Which one? A, a mix of a mix, of a little bit of both of those things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our venture group and our MA group at the time rolled up to uh, the head of our business development. Okay. So, well, you know, our business development org is a pretty senior organization. It's folks who have, you know, 15, 20 years of work experience naturally tends to skew to more senior roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely one of the less experienced younger folks in the org. And I think there was a lot of emphasis in trying to kind of grow and develop the next generation of leaders that would, you know, grow up with the org. And so as part of that, really got opportunities to meet a lot of, you know, different leaders across the broader business development org. And so some of that came naturally from that. And others just came from, you know, building good relationships and, you know, asking good questions. They had tapped you as future leadership and then you broke their heart. Okay. No, just kidding. <laughs> so you're, you, um, you're there, you're basically you know, doing interesting work, right? You're you're closing four big deals and strategy and MA for the cloud business at Microsoft. You're you're pit then you pivot kind of to still under business development, but you're you're now looking at earlier stage stuff. Still under still for cloud or for everything? For everything. I think okay. I'm heavily heavily tilted on enterprise tech, but it was much broader uh, in terms of kind of the areas that we looked at. For Did you feel like VC the VC world was harder to, to close deals or easier to close deals? Much easier. Mm-hmm. In VC, you're ultimately, you know, the team is the decision maker. In MA, there's a lot of different decision makers, a lot of different approvals to get through. And so um, the process A takes a lot longer and requires a lot more input from the business on, on deals. Whereas VC, I think we can be a lot more nimble and, and make decisions very quickly. And most of the time, you're probably investing as venture debt, or were you doing stuff uh, later, later in the capital structure, like Series A, Series B? It was mostly later stage. I think the sweet spot uh-huh. was series A through series C. But okay. things earlier also did things later. Was there a certain like level of, of, was there any sort of cap on terms of like assets that you guys could, could tap if the right deal came along or like you felt like, you know, it's basically like billions of dollars. It didn't matter. Like, <laughs> could you have, if you had, for example, like there was the next, uh, I don't know the next big CRM coming down and it was like the perfect, whatever for, you know, perfect enterprise platform for you guys to, to acquire. Could you guys have done like a, a $500 million or I don't know, a $300 million round or something like that. I won't get into kind of the structure of the fund, but I will say, I think, you know, there was a lot of interest to do, you know, interesting deals and kind of, um, you know, build a more robust venture arm, which I think Mm -hmm. now, you know, one of the top VC, corporate VC arms that there is. Um, and, and I hesitate to say corporate because I think, you know, there's a very strict wall between M12 and broader Microsoft. Yeah. Um, very much kind of runs like a financial VC is, is a really great partner to startups. And so um, they have kind of the full backing of Microsoft and a lot of autonomy to kind of, you know, do what they want and help startups. 
Um, and at the same time, they they are backed by Microsoft. And so you, you still kind of get the support of the broader group when needed. And that I think is really a defining factor for startups as they think about scaling and growing. Cool. So yeah, I mean, so you're there, you've now been at Microsoft for almost four years, you know, first in the strategy M&A, then you kind of pivot to the, the um, Microsoft Ventures. Tell me a little bit about what you were thinking kind of coming up on that fourth year um, in terms of your own career. It sounds like you're getting opportunities. Um, do you feel like there was, there was new things you needed? Do you feel like there was there just, you know, did Google come, knock, come, come knocking and it was just too interesting of, a, of an opportunity? I'd love to hear just that transition, your thought process of jumping from one firm to another, because I know it's super, super common nowadays, um, but I like, I talked to somebody recently and they were like at a firm for like 15 years. I'm like, that, like straight out of underground, I'm like, that's the weirdest thing nowadays. I've never seen that. So like, I, I like to hear just the, the thought process of, okay, now's the right time to move versus, versus not. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I was, you know, naturally kind of poking around having been at Microsoft for, for a while, I think, you know, as I looked across my other peers at Microsoft, it was a lot of folks that had been there, you know, 15, 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's really a great place to build your career. I think there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth. Um, as I kind of looked out in the market though, I kind of did see the trend where people were, you know, jumping around to companies, getting different experiences. And ultimately I, I felt like an opportunity to go to a different company will make me, you know, more marketable longer term. And, kind of present new opportunities and, and learning and growth um, that comes from just, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was also your first job right out of school. Exactly. So a little bit of the edge to, you know, what else is out there and, and kind of see mm -hmm. a Google opportunity came along. Uh, it was really just a, a great fit. It kind of combined my M&A experience with investment um, and also offered me the opportunity to work at, you know, another huge tech company and kind of see the way that they think through these issues and, and uh, the spaces that they're looking at. What was your thought process of moving down to the to SF? And are you in SF right now, or did you get out because of COVID and everything else? Yeah, so I uh, for the Google job, I relocated to the Bay Area. Uh -huh. um, you know, I think back then, you know, San Francisco and the Bay Area is the tech epicenter, and so if you want to grow your career, you know, at some point you're going to need to be there. Um, and so, I kind of took the plunge and, and kind of went all in with Google and, and the Bay Area. Um, you know. Now with the with COVID and kind of now people working from home, I uh, took the opportunity to pop back up to Seattle uh, to get a little bit more space to work from home. But for the last two years, I've been down at the Bay and, and really loved it. I don't think I can emphasize enough how much movement and, and tech and conversations happen in the Bay. And, you know, as much as other cities are growing in terms of tech presence, the Bay is still very much the center of gravity and, and you know, majority of transactions and things happen there. And it's, it's really nice to be plugged into that. It's interesting. You went back up to Seattle and not, I assume home is near, near Michigan. Or home is was it, originally Michigan. I think uh, Seattle family home. in Seattle, no family, but, uh, okay. but friends. And so there's yeah. a little bit of a now a home aspect associated with Seattle as well. Of course. I mean, you're there for four years. It makes sense. You're there for four years. So that's cool. So like you had, we were like, they're like, come up here, <laughs> come back. Cool. Okay. So on a West coast hours. So I think that was also a contributing factor as to, you know, yeah. stay. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So you're, so you're, um, that transition, um, it sounds like the opportunity presented itself. Was it through a recruiter? Was it through just your outreach, just networking kind of stuff like that? Can you talk to me a little bit about 
how you kind of got the opportunity to, to even interview? And then was it through like networking or was it through like a formal process? I think Google is known to be pretty um, regimented, I think, and pretty, um, pretty thoughtful in terms of how they recruit. But um, just getting into that process, was there anything special like networking that you did? Actually, there wasn't anything special in terms of networking that I did for this job. I think a recruiter reached out and, you know, it sounded like an interesting opportunity and I just wanted to learn more. Mm-hmm. After hearing more about it, it sounded very, very interesting. Uh, ended up going through kind of more of their formal recruiting process, which, you know, I think it's it's a very robust, very long process. I think end to end took maybe four, four and a half months. Oh my gosh. Um, and so, you know, was was a very long process, but also very thorough. You got to meet the team. You got to learn a lot about the Google culture, kind of how they think. And ultimately, I think Google really prides itself in having a high bar of, of talent and hiring. And so the process kind of helps make sure that the right talent is coming through. What was your thought process of going there versus going to like a startup or taking your talent to like a, a Series C or something like that or trying to you know, get in pre-IPO? Like the, what, what was your thought process of that? Is, is this something like you liked the, the structure or the, the offer that would just have the offers that just happened to come in during that time? Because four months, theoretically, you weren't just looking at, you know, Google Awards or other, were there other potential opportunities that were interesting to you? They came up and how did you think about that? Briefly considered startup opportunity. I think at the time I wanted more transactional experience and you really get that at the big tech firms. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody is doing, you know, looking at the breadth and kind of velocity of deals that a Microsoft or Google is doing. There's very few places I could go from Microsoft that would kind of give me the opportunity to, to get a lot of exposure and a lot of learning in a condensed amount of time. Mm-hmm. One of those. Um, what if you went away from deal making those or another potential, you know, exit, they call it in bank exit opportunities, another exit opportunity from a strategy and corp dev role. So like leaning more back to your strategy that you could have done. Definitely. I think there was opportunities. I think for me, I wanted to stay in, in the VC and M&A world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's also a lot of opportunities working kind of big tech. You get to work with kind of leaders across the industry, which I think is a phenomenal experience and very little roles inside companies get the opportunity, opportunity to do that. Um, and so for me, I think I, I wanted to continue having that type of experience and building those types of relationships versus at a startup. I think it's, it's very fast paced. You get to learn a lot as you go, but you know, you're very focused on kind of building your core product. Um, whereas, you know, at a larger company, I have the chance to kind of get a breadth of different products, different areas, different different um, sizes. And so really sure. enjoy having that breadth look. For sure. Very cool. Well, it sounds like you're in a great spot. Um, congratulations on the transition and all the success so far. Is Before I call the pod, I, you know, we're coming up on a little over a half hour. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before we call it? Any kind of words of wisdom um, that you've kind of experienced, whether, whether it's career, whether it's anything else as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think my biggest advice is, you know, I came from a very non-traditional background. Um, Wherever you're trying to go, I think there's a pathway to it. Um, You know, typically corporate development, it's typically, you know, business school, investment banking, corporate development. Um, But that's not the only pathway. And so, you know, wherever you are, I think there's, there's always a kind of a path to get to where you want. And I think some of the best careers are built with kind of jumping around through interesting roles. And so, that would be kind of my biggest advice for folks is to, you know, not get too caught up in, you know, traditional backgrounds and actually have kind of some unique experiences to bring to the table. I love it. Kind of started it all the way back um, in your, in your Mercedes Benz 
project when you were thrown to the thrown to the wolves. Yeah. <laughs> but very cool. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for taking the time to share your story. Really appreciate it. I think uh, I think the listeners will love it. Thank you. Patrick. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time.